Matt Will. No L's, just sevens. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shifts, ripping off rip, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad will, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up for size, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz. What is going on? An unfamiliar voice, or maybe familiar from fantasy baseball, but I am going to be guest hosting this pod, this episode of the Daily Blitz podcast, episode four. And now the true host, normally Matt Williams, is joining me at Matt Williams M A T T W I seven seven I A M S. But we are not alone. We have the energetic, someone who gives me a run for my money, so to speak, in John, aka MLB moving averages, but. What is the MLB and NFL moving averages these days? He'll tell you more about that. Welcome in, guys. Matt, what's going on? You're like a disembodied voice. You you didn't even actually introduce yourself. Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> we go, well, here's the thing. We go so far back because of baseball. I, I, give, I forget that, you know, different audience, different everything. So I'm Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. But I'm not important. I am the voice to give you guys an amplified voice. The I am the background the noise. Yes, and John, what's going on, buddy? I'm already laughing one minute <laughs> in. The man who needs no introduction, me. Um, so, yeah, we're doing the NFL moving averages thing. You know, we're so successful with baseball. I kind of took my eye off football just for last season because it was very important that I wasn't splitting focus on my main work. Now, as I get better at programming, a lot of my program is automated, and I've been able to really prepare for the NFL season. I'm 100 drafts deep. I have the board memorized the way people probably expect me to go at it. Unlike last year, you know, and I think that's an important lesson for people that are doing the transition. You really got to give some attention to it as all the player moves are happening and prices on draft boards are moving or DFS, you know, or the betting board, something we're going to talk about a little bit of everything. So I'm jacked up to be here. You're two of my favorite guys. Man, let's get it. Now, the purpose of today's episode is something that's actually fairly simple, but draft season is over. Today is the first day of the season, the true season. And I want to go team by team, get your guys' thoughts on what we should be watching for starting week one on every single team. I'm trying to keep it to one idea, one question you want answered starting week one per team. So, John, I'm kind of looking at you. Keep it simple on this one, buddy, But because I know how you can get wrapped up and, and really excited about things, and I appreciate that. But 32 teams, that's a lot to get into. We're going to get right into it with the Buffalo Bills, starting in the AFC and the AFC East at that. Matt, tell me what you're looking for with the Buffalo Bills week one. Again, one thing. Uh, they signed they signed Josh Allen to this uh, mega contract, and last year they kind of went off the 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 expected game script and let him throw a bunch more. And the whole thing with the Bills is they uh, have a terrific offense, but you never know if you can trust their backfield. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, because Josh Allen runs so much. Now that he has the bag and he has his money. I want to know if maybe they'll be backing off of him, maybe putting his body on the line a little bit, allowing Singletary and Moss to take the uh, you know to, to take the reins a little bit, especially maybe at the goal line. So the thing right out of the gate that I'll be looking for is how Josh Allen is going. I mean, they, we all know they have plenty of weapons to throw to. I uh, would love to see Zach Moss, my personal favorite, get in there and uh, get a little more work, but it was hard to trust them. Uh, totally in uh, in you know fantasy drafts because you just don't know 
how um, they're going to be used <laughs> because they, even though they run quite a bit, their running backs were like not exactly a huge part of that. So yeah, Josh Allen's new contract. I want to see if maybe they're a little more safe. Let him be a little more of a quarterback. Still utilize utilizes wheels, but maybe not lean on them as much. John, anything you want to add to that? For me, Matt really touched on it. The main question I have is about the backfield usage. We saw Singletary and Moss playing in tandem all year. No one really garnered the lion's share. Plus, you know, Allen is going to do some running. I probably share Matt's concern about volume. I think he'll still get it. But in, you know, fantasy drafts or even DFS where you're looking to maximize on that big hit, I don't know if it's to be found in this backfield. And I think that's my major question here is how are they going to use these guys? And is there an RB1 or RB2 in there? The answer isn't always yes. Gotcha. And speaking of running backs, I'm just going to jump the gun and assume the Miami Dolphins running back situation is what we should be monitoring week one. But John, while I have you talking about running backs, do you want to build on that conversation? Maybe looking for something else with that Miami offense? Well, to me, Miami, the big thing is going to be how Tua plays. I'm actually very high on Tua coming into the season. I think the recovery from the injury, and we saw a bit of a step forward at the end of last year. Of course, the running back situation is going to be a question. Mine is, who would the backup be if something happened to Gaskin? There's a lot of split. I know I was leaning towards Malcolm Brown earlier. I know Maddie was going the other way with Ahmed. I don't know the answer. They've both gotten some use in the preseason. That's really the thing I'm going to be looking for. And I think that's something people should be looking for early is if one of those guys emerge as a clear second option, they probably represent a good stash play. Matt, anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing I'm looking for is actually the opposite side. Uh, I, I like Tua, and I think that um, he showed some promise at times last year. I am looking at his wide receiver core because he has Miez Gusecki, who will be a nice, easy um, you know, dump down. Uh, Kenny Stills, De uh, Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddell. I mean, that's a lot of talented people to throw to, and I'm – I'm interested to see if he really falls into a pattern or a love fest with any particular one, because right now any of them could lead the team in targets. Uh, the smart money would be on them being spread. But as we all know, that doesn't really happen. There's no even spread. There is a favorite. Typically, um, usually they'll probably be a one, a one B and then someone who maybe falls out, <laughs> um, you know, and that's not counting Gusecki. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see if, um, maybe Tua has his, has his eye, uh, for any of these guys that could, uh, potentially get a, a, a big boost just based on, uh, you know, a, a little bit of rapport going with Tua. Speaking of uh, young quarterbacks, I don't know where my head went with that, but young quarterbacks is where I'm at right now. New England Patriots have one in Mac Jones. What are your expectations of Mac Jones and what do you want to see from him week one, Matt? I have him ranked as my uh, QB 30, which I think is like <laughs> near consensus for the week. I had someone yell at me like, you think it's going to be a total implosion? I'm like, nah, I have 29 quarterbacks ahead of him, which I don't think you'll find many people that have him above that for week one. I love Mac Jones, though. I think they made the I mean, whatever. I mean, there's there's multiple people that think there's different reasons why Cam didn't get the job. But this offense was built for Mac Jones. Mac Jones is a much better fit. Um, I think I, I like many other people. I love Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar. I have a few shares of. So I am excited to see what this team looks like. I expect them to struggle mightily. Um out of the gate and you never know with bill belichick we'll see what he has in mind uh with this team i'm sure that he'll get creative with the running back situation as well like usual so uh i i do not trust anything here 
I, I am very excited about the possibility of what Mac Jones could do. The only confidence I really have is in the wide receivers that he'll find them eventually. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's not a very conclusive answer, but this is the one of the teams that I really have no idea what to truly expect. Uh, and I will be watching them because of it. You know, we don't, people look to experts and analysts for these answers and it's okay to not be sure because we don't know. And that's honestly the answer. Sometimes we give our best educated guests, but that's what it is. It's honestly a guess sometimes. And this offense, we like to think we might know what to expect, but it's, it's a rookie quarterback. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of ways it can go. John, what do you think about the Pats? Well, he had a really nice season last year in college. So it could be something there. And beating out Newton near something there. My big question here is just how much are we going to get? I've ended up with quite a bit of exposure to the Patriots because of the potential at the cost. Matt mentioned Myers. If they do develop some kind of rapport where they're a viable option, you got a Mac Jones to Jacoby Myers connection extremely late in drafts. Or on DFS boards this week in particular, Mac Jones is basically below the minimum because week one, the price has been out forever. He's at $4,400. Regardless of the top matchup, a player like that can return a profit because he's going to handle the ball every play. So I think it depends on your on your outlook. If you're looking to win a GPP this week, the Patriots could be that look because of ownership percentage. I'm not very high in them to start the year. It's a rookie quarterback against a very tough Defense, but again, when you draft him, you probably don't have to start him. So I think you have the luxury of being patient and seeing a little bit. And while we're on the, I guess, the topic of rookie quarterbacks, the topic of questionable offenses, you're a New York guy, John. Tell me about the Jets. Well, this is a tough one because every year we seem to have Lucy set up the football for us to try and kick it, only to end up with me in a pile of leaves. But this is more than just another draft pick and a new quarterback. It really is a full cleansing of the front office. And all that means to me is let's not use last year's stats. Let's at least approach it. Meaning even if they struggle at first, it's not the same old Jets. That's the thing that I want to shake. But again, it's a, I think a lot of my argument for New England, just let's use it again. You can go Corey Davis and Elijah Moore from Zach Wilson. I like Tyler Croft. These guys are extremely going, they're going extremely late or are free in the case of Tyler Croft. The Jets let go of Herndon. I believe they fully expect him to be a pass catching tight end. I think he is one of the best sleeper picks on the board, one of my favorite picks for week one in DFS as well. So I think the range of outcomes is wide. Again, I'm not expecting too much to start, but I do think if you're carrying over the the Gase you know, narrative, I think you're going to be surprised because I think they will be better than that. And I have a question for both of you, a little off topic, but it kind of plays into this overall draft strategy. I know draft is over draft season's over. So maybe how will it translate to the regular season is a better question. But John, before I let, before I transfer transition over to Matt, what is your overall philosophy and idea of taking players on bad teams? Like you mentioned, you end up with a lot of these guys on perceived bad offenses. Do you think it's almost like, I hate to do this with baseball, but in baseball, we talk about closers on bad teams. There's still an opportunity there. I see a lot of people talking on Twitter. Maybe it's just people I follow that say you shouldn't be taking players on bad teams or should avoid it. But I always look at opportunity and ADP, so opportunity plus you know plus cost. And there's always a formula there that ends up with me getting a lot of these guys later in drafts. What is your overall thought on bad play, or good players on bad teams? Well, I was waiting for Matt to pick it up because I'm always rambling. But for me, 
it depends on the how established is that team, meaning how certain are we about this lack of production? We can't be that certain when you bring in a new rookie quarterback with a new front office. So are the Jets a bad offense? We don't know that yet. So I would avoid the Texans, which I think are probably more certain to be a bad offense up front than the Jets. So to me, it has to do with the track record. Gotcha. Matt, what do you think? No, I mean, I agree with that. It's it's per, it's perception versus possibility, I guess. Um, like he's, Those are two good examples. The Jets, we, we know that their defense is not going to really hold uh, teams, so they're going to be throwing. But in the Texans' case, they literally won't be able to do anything about it. In the Jets' case, without Adam Gase and a rookie quarterback, there's the possibility that, uh, you know, with a nice safety blanket in Jameson Crowder, Elijah Moore, um, there's there's a lot of interesting players on here that could t- take a step up. And Elijah Moore, just for example, is someone who's so exciting but cost you damn near nothing in drafts, you know, going towards the very end, um, you know, right before the punt rounds, if you will, for when you're just picking up guys of skill positions that you're just hoping for, where, you know, you have the third wide receivers and, and handcuff running backs going. So, yeah, I think as far as uh, drafting people on bad teams, it's it's more of if you expect more out of them. And garbage time counts in fantasy. In real football, it doesn't matter. But if your team could essentially get that done, um, it'll work. Look at Jameis Winston when he had his monster season with the Buccaneers. They weren't very good. He would put himself behind. He would throw a few picks, um, but he would make up for it uh, because he would be throwing the rest of the way and end up making for it in yards. So, yeah, and fantasy football is a little different than regular football. There's definitely plenty of teams to avoid because they stink. Um, but uh, I think the Jets are a different one. To, to give my quick thoughts on the Jets, I, I mean, I think the main thing is to see what the heck they're going to do with the backfield. The most, the thing I am most interested in is certainly Zach Wilson in the passing game. But um, I have a few shares of Michael Carter early in best ball when he wasn't expensive. Ever since his price jumped, I wasn't that interested in grabbing Tevin Coleman. Uh, I know a lot of people love Ty Johnson. I didn't really get on board there either. So, I mean, I think the real question to watch out for is as far as a practical thing to, to really look at is to see if there's anyone that emerges as an RB1. I, I think – Early on, we probably won't get that. It'll probably take a few weeks, but um, that would be, I think, the biggest change in fantasy value is to see if anyone actually merges there as the RB1. Yep, I am very intrigued by that uh, backfield. Now, moving over to the AFC North, Matt, give me your Mm -hmm. thoughts on the Steelers. Where are your eyes? What are you watching for? I should say, where are your eyes at? Well, no kidding, on the TV screen. But what are you watching for with your eyes on on that TV screen? I've complained about this on Twitter and me and John have talked about it off screen a lot, but why is there not a, any love for Ben Roethlisberger? And everyone keeps giving me these freaking answers like, oh, he's made a glass. He's really old. He, he Can he hold up? I mean, yeah, but you have Najee Harris as a breakout player. Deontay Johnson is a breakout player. Chase Claypool is a breakout player. Juju Smith-Schuster as a you know, a bounce back player. How can that all be if you don't like Ben Roethlisberger? If Ben Roethlisberger sucks, so do the rest of them. I mean, well, Najee, maybe not. He'll have a, he'll have himself a heck of a, uh, a workload probably regardless, but you still need the other, the rest of the offense to run in order for him to be effective and efficient in his role. So I love Deontay Johnson. I have him anywhere. Uh, I'll say that. I think he is very undervalued for, for, um, the the kind of talent he is. I think people get too hung, too hung up on drop balls, which are not a sticky statistic. They never are from year to year. Um, 
and Ben Roethlisberger will hopefully be back full time. So someone Deontay throwing Deontay the ball will be a little bit better than last year. But yeah, my biggest question is Ben, if he looks solid, it's wheels up for everybody. If he's bad, then, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are screwed because they, they hitch their wagon to a player that has their wagon hitched to another player. Yeah. For, oh. for me, I have to pick up right there. The, the Steelers, I picked up on that market inefficiency right away. And to me, that's that's basically objective fact. You, you have a running back going at the first wheel turn and then three wideouts all going in the top 90 overall. And initially in best ball season, Ben Roethlisberger was undrafted. That cannot be. Those things cannot, those things cannot really all exist together and be efficient. So the Steelers were very early on at my most intuitive stack, meaning anywhere that I have Steelers, you needed to have Ben because of their reliance on him combined with what you said earlier, Mike, so important is the price. I, I really could not wrap my mind around the fact five skill players in the top 90 and the quarterback is undrafted. When in reality, without Ben, we've seen the bottom of this team. It's really bad. So all draft season, Anytime I went after Steelers outside of Harris, I think even without Ben, I think, you know, a, a three down back with all the goal line touches could still be productive. And I think and me and, you, and John, it's not like me and you are trying to push Ben. We're just wondering why no one is more interested. It's just no, they have to be correlated. I mean, that that one thing, yeah, is fair that they have to be correlated. If you need three top 90 wideouts to return profit, you need the quarterback to be very good. I mean, that is not for the analysis right there. That's more the Ogo Ogo caveman analysis, but mm. that's what the market <laughs> kind of gave us. So wherever I had Steelers, I had Ben. And then as Ben started moving up, I'll be honest, the, I don't know. For me, the that wide receiver room felt a bit muddy. I think they're all very talented. Matt, one thing you have to talk about, you mentioned Juju bounce back. He had 128 targets. He had 97 grabs. You know, this guy's really good and targeted. Is there going to be enough to feed everybody that I don't know? It is a very interesting situation there in Pittsburgh, and it's going to be interesting interesting to see how it falls out. And, of course, week one, it's going to be hard to get answers because Big Ben on the road is known to be a bad thing. So we'll see if we get any answers that early on if it's going to take a few games. But the Baltimore Ravens, another team that's just just it's just it's such a strong team to me. But I feel like there's very little questions, at least in my opinion. I think it's very straightforward what we're looking for. But, um, John, what do you think about the Ravens this year, and what are you looking for starting week one? I want to see how much Sammy Watkins gets looked at. I was really big on Bateman early. I, you know, it's weird for all the cold analysis that I do with numbers in baseball for football. For me, it's very strategically driven. And you look at what the offense offers, which is a mobile quarterback that likes to rely on the tight end. And he could also break plays that lends itself to a big playmaker down the field, giving him time to get open. So I love the idea of Bateman. He went down. I have a hard time investing in players that are going to be out eight weeks. So I kind of went zero percent after that. Now Watkins is there. I mean, listen, we've seen him straight up dominate on a weekly basis. And then we've seen him hang goose eggs, right? He kind of has that T.Y. Hilton thing going. Superstar when he's on, not so much when he's not. So I'm watching for Watkins. You have to understand, there's a chance he goes for 9, 130, and 2 in week one. That's just part That's part of his game and the way that offense can utilize him. So that's the thing I'm looking at. I agree that's part of his game in week one. 
Right, right. Week one, oh, week, one. <laughs> uh, we, week two and three and four. I'm not so sure. Uh, Lamar Jackson was my QB one before in the early on in the off season because I was looking for maybe a morph into that. Maybe they looked at the Bills offense and they saw how they could utilize maybe Lamar's wheels as well as his arm, kind of what they did with Josh Allen and Buffalo. Uh, but that was when they were healthy and Bateman was there, and now they're really banged up. The only person you could truly count on is Mark Andrews. So I'm a little worried there. Um, I mean, the cop-out answer here would be the, what the heck are they going to do in the backfield? <laughs> Didn't they just sign Le'Veon Bell? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I would think it's the Gus bus, but we know they're going to use multiple people, which is why Gus Edwards was a problem for me when people were trying to pump up JK Dobbins. Therefore there will be more issues in that backfield. I'd love to see what they, what they plan on doing. I I had some early shares of Gus. I don't really have any sense of uh, the Dobbins injury. So uh, I would still like to see my still number one thing is Lamar Jackson. Are they going to change things up? There was the whole thing with um, reporters asking him, do, do you think the league has figured you out? Well, morphing into a more passing uh, heavy attack would certainly have changed things up, but I don't know if he has the personnel necessarily to pull that off. Uh, so I think it might be a rough, rough start to the season for the Ravens if they plan on changing things up a bit, uh, because they obviously they just they like they Dobbins is down, Bateman is down. They don't have the personnel they thought they were going to have, and they kind of ha not had a whole lot of time to change it up if they were going to. So uh, I like the team; they're exciting, but um, I the, the whole the whole offense is a question mark. Well, I feel like that's that's a lot of these problems. Like a lot of the questions we have entering week one are. How will these offenses take a step forward? And another one, this isn't much easier of an answer. The Cleveland Browns, we assume, is run first. But another year, Baker Mayfield finally gets to actually have a head coach for more than a season. Crazy, I know, right? Um, does Baker take a step forward? I'm kind of taking this answer on. Matt, let me, let, let, let's let you finish the, the question here, and let, let's see what you think. Cleveland Browns. I love the Browns. I'm freaking all in. I, I mean, I just wrote an article on Odell Beckham Jr. for The Athletic. I put out an outlandish prediction, which is more, I mean, I, I would think most people think I was doing it in good fun. It's more of a bold prediction. I think I said he'd have like uh, 11 uh, targets, eight catches for like 152 yards and a couple of touchdowns. And I'm not actually being not serious. I expect him to be down in this game, you know, and having to throw versus the Chiefs, who are obviously going to put up points. Baker Mayfield field like uh, week 10 on last year was a different guy i don't know if it was because beckham was off the field and i'm not, some people are like oh they were better with beckham off the field they were not better with beckham off the field they just performed better when he wasn't there that's two different things um i think that baker mayfield maybe didn't feel as pressured to force odell the ball because he wasn't there which is a big thing you have a big presence like that and you, you feel like you have to get him the ball and sometimes you force it when it's not necessary after Odell was gone, Baker Mayfield was second in the entire NFL in uh, quarterback rating on his first read, which before he would actually like see a first read and then try to force Odell the ball. Now, and when he identifies an open receiver, he catches him in stride and he, he made things work um, after week 10. Now I think you move OBJ back in there. Kevin Stefanski, I think, is smart enough to marry the two together. Good Baker with a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. And obviously Jarvis Landry is still around, who's a target machine. I, I expect them to have a... Uh, a very, very, very solid season. We'll we'll have to. It's it's a very hard week one game for them. Uh, so uh, you know, hopefully, you know, reserve judgment on how they'll do the rest 
rest of the season, but I'm expecting huge things, um, especially out of the passing game. I know people love mobile quarterbacks and Baker Mayfield was in kind of a no man's land for quarterback value because he wasn't quite an end of the draft guy, like a Kirk cousins or Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I do love him to take a huge step forward. Maybe he wasn't the greatest value because there were people even later in the draft that could maybe do something similar to him. But I, I think that he has a, a, a fantastic season and uh, he'll, he's going to have, uh, I think Landry and Odell Beckham are going to vastly outperform ADP. What about you? <laughs> Sorry. What well, says you, John? <laughs> For me, the, the Browns probably have, you know, the least amount of question marks. Maybe there is or back healthy. I mean, yeah, we all want a singular running back to take the entire load. That's not how they do it. You're going to probably get enough from both to survive your fantasy leagues. That kind of kept me away from the Browns as a majority shareholder. But that being said, real football, they don't care. Also very important that Wyatt Teller is back for them. They're a different offense with the big guard in the lineup. I believe last year with him in the lineup, they averaged 30 points a game. So, uh, of course, guard play matters a lot. Matt mentioned Mayfield being able to move enough. So you just get in the extra second or two, and I think that's what makes the difference with the run attack. They have all their weapons healthy. So for me, a healthy Browns offense is one that it's not my favorite for – Fantasy, because of the spread. I like Landry for PPR, but I really kind of want guys that can score touchdowns, and I don't know if I feel that way about him, although he's a good candidate for nine catches every single hey, week. Hey, man, PPR. Remember Jamison Crowder last year? Ten catches for 11 yards. He was yeah, worth yeah. starting in flex every single week. Yeah, every right. Uh, Landry's <laughs> probably a better version of that, but yeah. you really can't be surprised, right? If I told you he's going to average nine catches for the first four weeks, but he's not going to go over, let's say, 60 yards. You'd probably say, yeah, I could see that. If I said he's not going to go over 45 yards, you'd say, yeah, I hope I got a touchdown. But it does make sense. So I, the Browns, for a real offense, do a lot of things well, and they're healthy. So I think it's all systems go. I guess the question, yeah, will Mayfield take the step forward? He we wrapped up the season really, really well. He hung 335 two weeks in a row against Tennessee and Baltimore. Tennessee less impressive than Baltimore, but still, when you're going for 700 yards, six touchdowns in a two-week span, it's there, the upside, I mean. And that's what I'm wondering with Mayfield. Again, that just having a second year in an offense, could we see him be that guy, take that step forward and kind of be a surprise? It wouldn't be surprising to me because teams are going to game plan for the run, right? You got to think that. But Again, people are here for your opinions. I just had to give my two cents. John, Cincinnati Bengals, again, another young offense. Where are you? What are you watching for week one? I I, I think it's mixing the workload, which I've been sold on as we get closer to the season. You know, my shares have increased believing in him as an RB1. Other than that, it's all about Joe Burrow. There's another wide receiver room I've had trouble parsing out. Everybody loves Chase and everybody loves Higgins, and I wasn't really sure where I fell on them. So generally, when I'm not crazy about the room in itself, I feel the same way about the Jacksonville room, then I'll get shares of the quarterback, in particular with Burrow, where you could get him as a QB too. So I think the sky's the limit if everything falls right for them. But Nixon's health is an issue. You know, Burrow with the sophomore slump potentially, we don't know. And the injury, there's a wide range of outcomes here for the Bengals. But I, as long as they're on the field altogether, I think you got to be confident that they'll produce. Matt, where you at? I'll keep my thoughts short to kind of keep it moving. But, uh, I mean, Mixon, I guess, is the guy to watch. For me, I'll be looking at Jamar Chase because uh, we know Tyler Boyd is going to be a safety net. We know 
Uh, T Higgins was a favorite option last season. Chase is brought in. We have to see how that mixes it up because they have those three big targets kind of like they do in Pittsburgh. So um, it's just a matter of how it's going to shake out. I think, you know, with just Higgins and Boyd, we had a good idea. It's just a matter of how much Joe Burrow loves Jamar Chase because that could dramatically change things up for at least Higgins. I think Boyd's kind of locked in what he's going to do. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm just, I want to see how it is. We Again, something we may not see in week one. More than likely, this is something that is going to change every week with teams with multiple receiving options like the Cowboys. I mean, the stars are probably going to change every week. Um, so it'll have to do with just how aggressive they are. I think they will be from behind. So I, I would expect there to be a decent amount of passing volume. And if Joe Mixon's going to be involved in that, it shouldn't take away from him either. So um, it's more of just a hierarchy. Let's see how Joe Burrow feels about the new guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, in an attempt to move, move forward, we'll go right over to the Tennessee Titans, Matt. And the Titans, to me, it's very simple. But where are you looking at on the Titans? Um, they have a new, I mean, they have a new, a new, a new coach calling the plays after Arthur Smith went over to the Falcons. They went heavy on play action, which is why Ryan Tannehill kind of became a star. It's something that kind of utilizes his wheels. The uh, defense has to key in on Derrick Henry, especially on like, you know, early drives in the game, which opens things up for Tannehill to move the ball downfield. Now they have Julio Jones, uh, not a bad number two wide receiver. So, um, now that a new, uh, you know, another option is in there. He was the tight end coach at one point. Is he going to keep that same play action, um, run heavy offense? Is he going to become more pass heavy because you have Julio Jones try to scale back the workload on Derrick Henry, who's obviously been under a lot of pressure the last couple of years. That'll be something I want to see is how aggressive they are in the air because their defense like last year is not going to be terrific. So I would think it would be in their best interest to try to be more aggressive. That's why I love Ryan Tannehill so much this year. Uh, so that's the big thing. I mean, the only person that was better at play action passes uh, last year than Ryan Tannehill was Aaron Rodgers, which shocker, Matt LaFleur is the uh, is the coach, and he came from Tennessee. So I would expect to be heavy play action again, more pass heavy. So that's what I want to look at. I want to see if they're still going to go lean that hard on Derrick Henry or to keep like the clock moving, or if they're going to try to take advantage of the weapons they have and, you know, go downfield. John, anything to add? This offense appears to be set to explode, not just because of the skill pieces, but like Matt said, that defense was very bad last year. They didn't do much. They were bottom five, just across the board defensively against the pass. I mean, overall defense, bottom five in points, Plays, yards allowed, bottom three in pass yards, pass attempts, pass completions, sacks, and pass TDs. Man, I, I, my eyes on Julio Jones. Last thing, last time I remember, he was one of the best in the game. You know, he missed a couple games and then moved and then wasn't practicing. And now he's a fourth or a fifth round player. And a lot of people have kind of written him off as dust. I still think he's, you know, excellent. And where I'm going with that is, like Matt said, Tannehill represents a tremendous value going back to Ben as being a this pick that all the people Henry is in the top three, Brown's in the top 20, Julio is in the top 35, and you can get Tannehill as your QB2. These things don't really mesh. So I love the potential Tannehill gives you. I'm going to be watching Julio Jones and see if he gets that double digit target share a lot of us expected just from the namesake alone. All right, so that does it for the Titans. Let's move over to the Colts. I feel like the Titans are a really good team. The Colts, 
I'm not expecting much out of, but do we have, maybe, do we have, do we have to talk about the Colts? That's what I'm getting <laughs> at. Can we just, uh, I mean, I think we go, we almost skip the Colts and the Texans because we, we already talked about the Texans being just I'm literally fine with that. Hey, uh, John, <laughs> you want to give a 10 second analysis on the Colts? I'll give 10 seconds on the Texans. Yeah. And we'll move on. Yeah. I think it's pretty easy. The Colts defense is going to be extremely good from what I gather. So they'll probably be relying a lot on Jonathan Taylor, right? Looking to keep the other offense off the field. He's effective both phases of the game. That's what I think you're going to get. It's Taylor and Pittman or nothing on the Colts. Yeah, and uh, they, heading right into the Texans, they're uh, they're gonna have a bad defense. They're gonna have a bad offense, and uh, the only person worth rostering is probably Brandon Cooks. Who's gonna be the ball's gonna be forced to him. Uh, the only interesting guy there for me is if Tyra Taylor is a quarterback and uh, Cooks is being um, you know double teamed by the defense is the only player worth defending. Maybe Anthony Miller getting out of Chicago could be interesting. So oh. I'd like to see when uh, they are constantly on their backs. Um, you know, what's going to happen? Cause I mean, I, I, I like Philip Lindsay a lot as a cheap option out of the backfield, but, uh, all in all, there's not going to be a whole lot of room for them to, uh, be running the football when they're down by 20 points in the first quarter, every game. And last team in the AFC South Jacksonville Jaguars pump LaVisca Chanel into my veins. But Matt, is there anything else I should be looking for on that team? <sighs> Don't yeah. you poo-poo on my Chenault now. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> Don't you do no, that to no, me. No, 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 no. I love Chenault. Definitely. Okay. Uh, I love him. Love him because Just... like, I'm a PPR guy. I love Chenault. I think the main thing is here is um, everyone is pumping up Marvin Jones. And I like Marvin Jones. I think he was solid. I liked him in Detroit. Why is everyone shitting on Shark? DJ Shark, I think, is still the guy on this team. I think he's still the guy above Chenault. And PPR, I like Chenault more. Um, just cause I think he'll have that little bit of a safety net and shark will, will be a little more of a, uh, hit or miss, uh, from week to week. Uh, but overall, um, yeah, I would just like to see how Trevor Lawrence settles in with his deep threats here. Cause I think shark, uh, is still the alpha, uh, where everyone is overlooking him to Marvin Jones. I understand you want to maybe sometimes take the cheaper option, but, uh, yeah, with, uh, NTN down that takes a little bit of a, um, uh, a receiving option, a safety receiving option away from Trevor Lawrence. Now they have James Robinson, who's going to be more of like a traditional running back for them. As far as his true skills go, most of that will benefit Chenault, but I want to see because of, uh, you know, the, their, their probability of having to throw the ball a ton. Uh, I think shark is going to surprise a lot of people. I don't know why everyone's trying to throw him away. I yeah, love DJ Shark, actually. Yeah. So I, I, I like all the players also, and I mentioned it's not that I don't like them. I worry about consistent production or trying to predict who is going to do it when. So in those cases, I generally lean towards the quarterback to try and get all of it. Lawrence representing one of my favorite QB2 picks. Again, we don't know what we're going to get with young quarterbacks. And what Matt mentioned before Target share is not an equal thing. These are humans that have real connections. They don't care about our opinions or making things perfectly balanced. So that's the thing I'm going to be looking for is Lawrence's efficacy to begin. And then if he is eyeing one player more than another, like I agree with Matt totally until Lawrence targets Marvin Jones 
22 times in two games and he represents his favorite look, you know, which is in the range of outcomes. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it is in the range of outcomes, which is why, again, I just lean towards a quarterback in this position. I think Jacksonville is going to be a little bit better than people think, especially this week against Houston. I think they're going to <laughs> probably smoke him out. I don't imagine, know who lose, imagine who loses that game. Yeah, well, we, we really <laughs> haven't we really haven't talked about betting, but the betting board has this one at like three points. And I think this one is a lot further than that. I think Jacksonville kills Houston this weekend. I like them across the board. I'm hearing people, some smart people take the other way. So I like to hear the contrarian play, so to speak. I think people are honestly going to, I think people are, I don't know if it's just contrarian, I should say. I think the Jags should be the favorite. But I'm hearing a lot of people think that the Texans will sneak this one through because of how bad that Jags defense can be. I don't know. To me, that just feels like galaxy braining. These things happen after of it. We really do. It happens. And I'm seeing it in these best ball drafts that are still going on, by the way, up till kickoff. People just begin to outsmart themselves and guys that shouldn't fall out of the first round do. I will say that, that there's any rational hate for Tyrod Taylor. He okay, can be fair. there. No, no, no. I'm just that's saying fair. he can, he can be completely um, serviceable and he does have some wheels. So, I mean, I would think this game is going to be laughably close. Maybe we'll get a low-key shootout here. I mean, maybe it'll be fun. See, that's this is going to be the most fantasy-relevant game of the week. Watch. It's going <laughs> like, to... Well, the, the betting boards it, don't necessarily it, agree. It, it'll, uh, no, I mean, I could, oh, no, I agree. I agree it'll probably end up being a shit fest, low scoring. But I could see it being an... I could see it being like a... Uh, like an out of blue shootout, like all of a sudden, yeah. you know, like I said, Anthony Miller puts on probably his game of the year and then fades in obscurity two weeks, two weeks two to 17 there. I think there'll be a fantasy star come out of this game that people spend on fab and then immediately regret it come week three. Cause I think perfect. there'll be, yeah, there'll be someone who comes out of this game scoring way more points than they would in any other game. Yeah, and it's just one of those things that you're but are you gonna be the guy coming out of week one? Either one of you, are you gonna be the analyst that says, Don't target this guy who had a breakout game? Yeah, Mark Ingram, gonna, three touchdowns. Don't do it. But it's just you're gonna have to I'm saying you're gonna have to be the one that stands up to the, the masses, which I enjoy that these days. One thing I've learned, don't just fold to the to the popular pick if you truly are against it, or the popular opinion, I should say. But anyway. Enough of the Jags talk, the Texans talk. Oh, gross. I, I want to throw up my <laughs> mouth a little bit. Let's get to a good team. And this good team that we, I want to talk about, John, I want to hear your thoughts on are the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, all systems go for the Chiefs. A little bit of concerning news with a player I was into, which is McCole Hardman at the price. It's good to see CEH is practicing in full, so it's all systems go for him. I feel like you know what you're getting with Hill, Mahomes, and Kelsey. As long as those – pieces are on the field i think you're getting 31 points every single week and my favorite thing about the chiefs as a team as far as betting and stuff goes is gosh they defend really well as well particularly through the air and that just bodes really well for them because they're able to get ahead and then kind of flatten the defenses the uh, the opposing side's answer to it so for me, man, it's everything Chiefs. It's Chiefs Super Bowl tickets. It's Mahomes MVP tickets. It's them stacking in best ball. It's them in week one. I know it's chalk, but sometimes for me it's for a reason. So it's all Chiefs all the time right now. Chalk isn't always a bad thing. But regardless, Matt, what are you thinking about them? I, I don't know. I don't think there's <laughs> anything to see. Just um, CEH's utilization probably? Yeah, I, I, I think that, yeah, I, I don't – think much of Darrell Williams. Jarek McKinnon, 
if he were healthy for a whole year, I guess he could pull a rabbit out of his hat. But I guess the main thing is I'd like to see if anyone besides Tariq Hill and obviously Travis Kelsey step up. I'm always a fan of Byron Pringle as a as a someone I'm always looking to take a step forward. So maybe if there if if McCole isn't the guy, I'd like to see if there is someone who who steps up because if obviously there was ever a legitimate consistent third option that would be pretty huge but there hasn't been so yeah i think all eyes are on clyde edwards hilaire and um if they let him fly which if you followed him last year before he kind of like got banged up uh he was getting fed like top five in the league as far as touches per game so i would expect that with uh even less competition to to be the case and you're talking about less competition the Raiders have more competition, it seems like, in every direction. Always looking to sign a running back. Josh Jacobs, I don't know what to think. Matt, help enlighten me on what we're going to see with the Raiders. Or do you have no clue with this team? No, here, I well, no one has a clue about anything. I will be sure I will be I'll be clear <laughs> well, about that. Anyone who claims to is full of shit. But Josh Jacobs was very inefficient. Um, I know they, they traded up to get him, but I mean, they, they traded for Kenyon Drake for a reason. Everyone's so high on Chase Edmonds, who the Car Cardinals will get to. They literally like find ways to not give him the job. Kenyon Drake was solid last year and they pick him up here. Uh, they, you know, not just to be a third down back. I think he's going to take more of a role than that. So Josh Jacobs, I'm incredibly worried about him. If anything, if you had to, if there was a bet here on who becomes the RB one end of season, I would be betting on Kenyon Drake heavily because I would assume I'd be getting some nice odds there because everyone's writing him off. Like he's not a threat. I think that he will be getting the third down work and I think he could easily uh, prove to be a better uh, early down back or at least an even one. Uh, this is like a, um, Worst case scenario, Jamal Williams type situation for Josh Jacobs, like the Aaron Jones had to deal with. This is a, like a, a very talented guy who they brought in here to do a job. And I think that this is something you probably want to avoid entirely in fantasy. I do have a couple of Drake shares early when he was incredibly inexpensive. But overall, this is a this is a nightmare. Uh, the thing I do want to look for, though, personally, is Henry Ruggs. Derek Carr's not really into airing it out. Ruggs didn't have the rookie season we wanted to see. Uh, everyone's into Brian Edwards like crazy. But for me, for the Raiders, I could give a shit about the backfield because I'm not invested in it. I just want to see what they're going to do in the air. Derek Carr has never been known to like really pass the ball downfield. But I, I want to see them finally maybe put together um, some, some more uh, offense through the air. I mean, more than likely, it's just going to probably be uh, you know, the, the Darren Waller freaking Hunter Renfro show down low with Kenyon Drake. Uh, but yeah, I want to see if Henry Ruggs is going to get involved here. Or if it's just a, a trying to force a square peg into a round hole. John, anything else you want to add? Yeah. Well, I'm going to be looking for, for Brian Edwards, you know, we hearing all the breakout reports from camp. And again, you know, he represents such a cheap asset that if you get the big payoff, if he does, really emerge like matt mentioned they're really it, waller is the clear pass option there but it, it, he does not represent field stretching wide receiver one right let's not confuse the two so if brian edwards does kind of materialize with the hope and some of the prospect we've seen that's what i have my eye on other than that las vegas just very kind of vanilla listen sometimes on draft boards vanilla is just fine when the cost is there, you're not really paying up for a lot of those guys. So yeah, I have a ton of exposure to rugs and Edwards really not expecting more than like W, you know, wide receiver five or six on any given week for them. But like I said, I do think Edwards represents at least some potential, you know, to be more Rocky road than vanilla 
other than that, it's very hard to get behind teams like the Raiders. The running back is not particularly exciting. The same goes for the quarterback. And then they're missing the skill pieces. So it's just uh, you could take it or leave it with the Raiders. You can keep that doom and gloom. I want to talk positivity. The San Diego. Oh, sorry. I called them San Diego Chargers. Hold on, real quick. Angeles Chargers. I just read a hilarious story, which I don't know how old it is. I think it just popped up on my timeline. Jamar Chase, we were talking about him. He apparently is complaining about not being able to catch the ball, which he's obviously been struggling because he says there's no uh, white lines on it like in college, and he's having a hard time actually seeing the ball because the entire ball is brown. So, Jamar Chase, everyone, everyone trade uh, your, your, your shares jamar chase cannot see the football sadly like you're saying that tongue-in-cheek sadly you are really you realize this is like a buy low opportunity because people will overreact right <laughs> oh yeah they oh they will there's like you, you are joking but here. you are joking however this is a perfect buy low opportunity if you believe in jamar chase like 100 because it's making its way around social media because i did see that today but i also wasn't sure when it was like how old this is or whatnot so i kind of just let it go thinking wow i'm gonna i might go i might go offer some buy low op- uh, offers now honestly um I, I don't know if i would in uh in redraft uh in dynasty, oh, dynasty in dynasty for sure in redraft i tend to fade all early down rookies in general but <laughs> anyway yeah. Conan, let's talk about the chargers let's go <laughs> yeah the the not san diego chargers the la chargers now i apologize oh, i've messed that up all the time yes oh i if you look at the notes it says <laughs> san diego chargers on there so john stop with your doom and gloom i need to hear some cheerful happy but except for as soon as i say no doom and gloom we have to watch for that practice report for eckler today because of the hamstring that made him miss a good portion of last year regardless let's take away that take away the negativity there has to be a lot of positivity here with the chargers right oh absolutely this is one of my favorite offenses coming into the season justin herbert is probably my favorite i don't know nowadays i'm calling them traditional quarterbacks qbs without wheels right so if i'm going with a traditional passer Herbert is my number one. I love the weapons. People are writing off Keenan Allen as dust. Granted, it's it's hard to pencil him in for 16 games. But we also don't know how injuries are going to shake out. We just don't know. So while Herbert and Allen are on the field, plus a healthy Mike Williams, I really, really like the charges, of course. Missing Eckler potentially is a huge blow. So my big question would be, without Eckler – how does the backfield shake out? There's, I think, four guys made the team. Eckler, we had Kelly, Jackson, and Roundtree. And it's very hard. You can't roster them all. So earlier on, before Roundtree was even kind of a known entity, I had some Jackson. Then you hear a lot of people say, just because a running back one is hurt, doesn't mean you want any of the backups. But that's what I'm going to be looking for is running back usage. The rest I expect to go very, very smoothly. Also, I know I had Matt raising an eyebrow with this one. I have Jared Cook as a tight end one this year. I think he's produced tremendously in the right scenario, and I think this is a good spot for him he's a physical beast i think herbert is going to get him the rock so i love for me it's all systems go charges offense you mentioned if austin eckler's out that definitely is good for jared cook yeah Yeah, i I found myself i found myself interested in justin jackson because he had full run and limited opportunity last year and in three of those games where he had full run at the at the rb spot he posted uh double digit ppr points so I think if he's given that opportunity to get the lion's share of that backfield week one, I think there's a double-digit floor, double-digit 
uh, PPR floor there. That's my opinion. Again, based on what they did last year, that was out without Roundtree there. But we've seen him do it. So that's why Jack- Justin Jackson, in my opinion, has some intrigue week one. But yeah. However, with running back depth being as bad as it is, I'm kind of like, I'm desperate in some leagues. Jackson will be plugged in as a starter where I grabbed him. But enough of what I think. Matt, is there anything else you're looking for in this offense? No, I mean, I, I think I think Jackson and Roundtree would both have to be rostered if uh, if Eckler were going to go down. Jackson is the first option, and then Roundtree. I think uh, if if Jackson is gone, you still want to grab Roundtree, who I think could could take it. Uh, the one thing for me, for everyone here, is more of a tip than what I'm watching for is they're going to have a rough ass game versus Washington Week One. Uh, I don't think there's a start sit column out there that doesn't have Herbert in the sit. Uh, no one's really uh, on him in Week One for DFS. But, um, you know, NFL is an emotional game, especially in fantasy. People like to make aggressive moves early, usually in a very uh, un, uh, very uh, unintelligent way. So wait until San Diego has their rough, you know, um, humble game in week one and then send out those tr- those trade low offers for Keenan, for for uh, for Herbert, uh, for Williams or whatever. Uh, get those uh, get those out there because there, there'll be people that, you know, they'll see freaking Ryan Fitzpatrick go off uh, uh, opposite Herbert and uh, they'll and they'll have him as their backup. And then they'll they'll uh, they'll want to maybe try to get someone else in there. So, yeah, I would try to be aggressive. And uh, this this can go for any team, but I'm just using the Chargers. Uh, if any stars struggle in week one, uh, always be on the lookout for panic. Be aggressive on the uh, the trade market. Don't trade your players acquire stars from others yeah that's honestly the best way you gotta attack week one people overreact all the time but on top of that there are it's still week one you drafted herbert with pretty good draft capital just to sit him like why not i mean why not see what happens he does have a rushing floor too you know i don't think he'll be the best option but what what's available in your average 12 team league you're lucky if big ben's there and big ben's on the road so is that really a better option matt ryan at home against eagles sounds intriguing but it's matt ryan i feel like he's just going to disappoint us they're going to try to run more that could cause him to have a a rough first half even if they're trying to insert that run game i'm just thinking what options would you rather stream over him in your typical waiver wire matt i would i would start zach wilson I would start Zach Wilson over, over Herbert. Probably. We just got done talking about questionable st- rookie starters. I wouldn't that, start Wilson over Herbert. And we, that, I think that offense is not, is that defense is not to be messed with. I, I generally, those are non starters for me. I'm not looking to go up against Washington. They smush everybody. It's so disappointing that I'd rather have a guy. I, I honestly rather go anywhere than that because I don't start QBs in that situation. Washington is not only a good defense, they look to sit on the clock. I, I would rather have Daniel Jones because he could run for 95 in a score. You know, I just, for me, it's just a non-starter. Like, I'm not, I don't do that. You know, I'm I, not, I, I normally would agree, but it's week one. Like, we, we're, we're basing a lot of this based on last year, assuming growth. I understand there's educated reasoning for sitting Herbert, but it's still the NFL. There are teams and their offenses or defenses every year that, oh, we expect them to be great, and they come out and just aren't. And I think week one, getting cute with these start-sit decisions, for me, again, this is now we're getting off course because I couldn't help myself. But for me, week one is like a time to – let's just see what happens. I'm okay going 0-1. It's not the end of the season for me. I, I yeah, don't want to get I, cute. I, just, I guess I, I think I admittedly let it fly. Like I'm, I'm aggressive in, yeah. in head-to-head. I'm aggressive in, in head-to-head. 
And I, I think I'm the opposite. I think I'm more of a let it fly in terms of I drafted these guys for a reason. Let's see what week one, like what shakes out from week one, because there could be surprises. And if there's ever going to be a surprise, it's a guy like a Justin Herbert coming out and lighting the world on fire when no one expects him to. Oh, oh yeah, the talent is definitely there. But again, I think Washington held opposing QBs under 250 nine times or something like that. I mean, that's that's it's just a tough pill to swallow. I, well, here's the Here's the thing is like I have I have Herbert as like a top eight quarterback for the year. I think for the week I have him as my 12th. That being said, I'd probably start a few people behind him in front of him if push came to shove. Trevor Lawrence at Houston, Matt Ryan versus Philly, yep, Joe Burrow yep, versus yep. Minnesota. Yep. Maybe Baker versus at Kansas City, except you're not going to no, have those two you can't have those two paired on the same team. If you drafted Herbert, your backup is probably um, someone far worse, and I'm not going to be starting them. Like I'm not starting Jameis Green versus Green Bay. Um, I'm probably not starting Darnold, even though everyone loves him versus the Jets. I ain't starting him over Herbert either. So it's just a matter of see that one. I'm doing too. That I, one I'm I doing wouldn't. too. He's looked really sharp. They have all the weapons. I think the Jets defense is trash. Like I and I love the Jets. I think the all I, that's kind of why I like Zach Wilson. Uh, this is one of my flag plants. For week one, and again, you know, you I know I'm gonna be wrong sometimes, and right others. The market is so low on offense in Jets Carolina, that total being posted at 44. I think we're way over. I think both of these off uh, both defenses stink. I think both offenses are understated. And I think if this game were being played in week two, the total is 52 and a half, not 42 and a half. All right. Well, we're coming up on an hour. So we know yeah, we, 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 we're coming up on an hour. I'm going to, I'm going to make the executive decision. One person per team now. Sorry. I know everybody wants to talk about every team, but realistically time is of the essence. So we're going to jump over to the Broncos, Matt, quick thoughts on the Broncos. There's nothing. Uh, there's nothing. Anyone doesn't know here. Uh, Noah Fant. Uh, they have that Noah Fant and um, Jerry Judy are going to probably be the favorites of Terry Bridgewater, who traditionally likes to be a little shorter um, down the field. A lot of people like to overblow his ability to either um, his, you know, his a, his average a dot to, to go down the field. Uh, so I don't think that I'm necessarily um, downgrading Sutton. Like a lot of people are, I'm still very high on him, but I think uh, we'd like to see just how uh, a Bridgewater team is going to look here. Uh, the main thing to look for is Javante Williams, and if they're going to kind of let him be the main dog out of the out of the gate with Melvin Gordon still there. I know a lot of people are worried about Melvin Gordon, but I mean, if anyone watched him, I mean, he sucks. He's toast. He's done. Uh, so let's just see if Javante Williams can take the job and run with it. Uh, it's going to be a split backfield no matter what at least early on Javante is going to take it. I think more and more as the weeks goes on. So uh, I think it's just a matter of um, how run heavy pass heavy. Do they plan on being overall uh, as I, th I think thing, the, the thing to watch for. Gotcha. Now moving over to the NFC East. We just talked about the Washington football team. The biggest news about them. They're down to three choices for their football team name. But outside of that, John, talk to me about the fantasy implications week one or starting week one. Yeah, I'm I've falling in love slowly with this offense, and then you realize it's Fitzpatrick led, and it has you have to at least pump the brakes a bit. But again, offense is spurned from defensive production. There's a chance this Washington offense is also really good. I worry about again the the ceiling with pace, I I think, but they should be they should be really good. McLaurin could be a wide receiver one, Gibson could be an RB1, which if I'm gonna be 
consistent and my analysis means I have to like Fitzpatrick at least a little bit. I like Logan Thomas as far as volume in the tight end sphere, especially when you consider the price. And I, I this Washington team could be like a, a legit playoff team just because of the things that they do well. They check a lot of boxes for me. What am I going to be looking for? I guess it's Antonio Gibson and just see if he lives up to the billing. You're paying a lot for a bit of an a bit of an unknown, right? If you're grabbing a guy at the wheel or at least in the top 15 overall, you really got to get at least 25 touches. So that's the thing I'm going to be looking for is how many touches Gibson gets. Gotcha. New York Giants, Matt. You're you are a New York native. Are you a Giants or Jets fan? One, two, or neither. Two. What are we looking for here, man? I don't even want to look at this team name. I'm a, I'm team. a Green Bay Packers fan. That's right. That's right. You I'm like down winners. here in South Jersey. I'm actually in Philadelphia Eagles country. I remember everyone with Washington, Curtis Samuels down. So it could be Logan Thomas, uh, Logan Thomas game for the Giants. Um, Kenny Galladay has been really banged up uh, and Evan Engram can never be trusted. Uh, I, I would think Sterling Shepard is the guy I really want to look for here. Daniel Jones needs someone he can rely on. And, and Sterling Shepard is a beast when he is on the field and healthy as far as absorbing targets. So I've been grabbing him late everywhere. We know the number one question has to be Saquon Barkley and how much they're going to use him because they say that they're going to ease him in week after week after week. And it may not be his job for like you know the taking as far as a bell cow so it's the number one thing there but um with all those different targets um available for daniel jones i i would like to see again i i think this is i've answered this a lot i think i'd like to see if uh where his heart lies here if he has a favorite target he has a couple of new people he has a rookie he has a big free agent signing uh sterling shepherd is still there and when he's on the field he does well so i just want to see daniel jones uh another year in the league um, I want to see if he like takes a shine to anybody. All right. And we get to our first team of tonight, the Dallas Cowboys. America's team, question mark. I don't know if they're that anymore, but John, they are your team. Talk to me about them. Well, I'm going to do it to you. I have to backtrack really quick because I have to get the name out uh, there. And you gave me Washington too, but I forgot without Samuel Freed's Diami Brown. I think that's a huge week winner and a big DFS play for me is going to be going off cheap. So fast forward to the Cowboys. Wow, I was so high on the Cowboys coming in to the season for all the obvious reasons. Again, I really like to look at inputs. One of the things I focus on is pace. Cowboys were top in the league in seconds per snap last year. They hustle on offense. I pumped the brakes in them a touch with the questions around the Prescott shoulder injury. And then it was funny. We saw the opposite of what we spoke about with Pittsburgh. And it was all the pieces going up front. All the Dallas skill pieces are in the top, forget it, top 35. But even when they were worried about Prescott's shoulder, they didn't budge at all. So I was pumping the brakes on the Dallas offense. Now they're saying 100%. I don't know the truth of it. I can only go what they show me. And if he's playing with all those pieces on the field, Dallas offense should be good. My question, of course, is going to be the usage. And we mentioned it again. So, you know, at the very least, even if I'm not right about this or planting a flag, at the very least, I'm consistent. And I'm worried about the wide receiver room. I think Cooper, Gallup, and Lamb potentially represent the most talented wide receiver room in the league. All three guys can't feast every single week. So there's going to be a bit of up and downs. And I don't. I think with what you paid for them, I think you're married to them weekly. And that's one of the reasons why, because I like to be aggressive with start-sit decisions, 
I, that's my only thing. So it's not really a worry that they're going to be good. It's my worry about the individual consistency week to week. But I think the Cowboys are going to be awesome. And it's all systems go. True test tonight against the Buccaneer defense, which is another one I really don't like to you know go up against. So it's going to be interesting to see you know the immovable force and the unstoppable object. What happens tonight? Well, what scares me about Dak is they meant they called it. I think I'm quoting it almost more of a baseball injury when he had that shoulder injury. So when I think of shoulders plus baseball, I, it scares the crap out of me, but I'm with you. It's going to be a great showing tonight. <laughs> right. Oh, it's a career ender. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, well, don't it, worry. It, it's just more of a baseball shoulder injury. And you're like, oh, yeah. so, so he's done forever. I thought he was I'm like, I'm yeah, like, I'm like when, I, when, I, when I heard baseball injury, I'm like, TJ question mark initially before they yeah, came yeah, out with shoulder. Saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe it is elbow and they're just calling it shoulder because baseball man. One arm, arm, shoulder. They don't talk about elbows ever. Anyway, um, not to talk about like football players or Neanderthals, but whatever. Anyway, Matt, you're from Eagle Country, you said, right? You get to talk about the Eagles. Aren't you excited? Not really. I don't like this team at all. Uh, I think people really overrate Jalen Hurts. I understand the uh, the enamor being enamored with him as the least expensive mobile option available, but I think as an actual quarterback, I, I, I don't really see it. Uh, but nor here nor there, he's their guy, even though they tried to uh, get uh, apparently aggressively tried to get Deshaun Watson and then traded for the best backup in football. The thing I am watching is a uh, tight end. Uh, Dallas Goddard uh, looked like he might be a good play and he's facing the Falcons, which makes it a fantastic play. Except Zach Ertz comes back. He looks good. He's not done yet. I wouldn't shock me if he's the better of the two this season. So everyone's uh, spending all this draft capital on Zach Goddard. Well, I think you should have been avoiding the entire thing altogether, maybe grabbing cheap shares of Ertz. I'm very interested early in the season how they plan on deploying their tight ends and using them because uh, I think they're going to wreck each other's value just like they did in the past. And uh, that is the thing that I think is most worth watching uh, for the Eagles. Uh, you know what? I feel bad for you. You're a Green Bay Packers fan. They're next. They're next up. And I can tell you were defeated. So tell me about the Packers. Where are your eyes at? You are a fan. So try to remove, take the hat off, so to speak, and give me some analysis on the Packers. Uh sure. Uh, I um. Everyone knows, I guess there's a uh, Aaron Rodgers revenge season coming. I don't think anyone doubts the abilities of Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams. Robert Tanyan, I don't know. I mean, I was I was always I was on him, but when everyone was trying to pump up, uh, I can't even think of his name. They cut so many tight ends in their day. Uh, but uh, I think the guy to watch out for is Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, if everyone remembers, before Devontae Adams was Devontae Adams, he dropped a lot of passes. And he looked like a possible bust early on. He just was dropping passes left and right. And that's what Marquez Valley, the scantling does. And he not only drops them, he drops wide open, deep passes that makes you want to pull all of your hair out. Um, if he can reel that in, I don't think, I, I mean, if anyone who watches some Packers games, this guy, I mean, they cut Equimia St. Brown, who actually came back on the practice squad. You still have Alan Lazard. You have Amari. Um, Amar, what am I, what am I drawing a blank on? Our rookie. I did. I, I was just thinking. I was just thinking how the Packers don't draft rookie anything to help him. Out. Oh no, anyway. we don't draft anything. Uh, but I think Marquez Valdez Scantling is someone who barely, pretty much went off the board as free undrafted in many leagues. He is, I think, the wide receiver three, uh, or the wide receiver two, depending on, uh, I guess, how you think of it. Uh, what, what what you consider Aaron Jones and and Robert Tanyan. So I think he's the guy to look for because. 
Devontae Adams is going to be triple teamed at times. I mean, that's what the Chicago Bears do to him. So I think that Aaron, you know, Aaron, um, Aaron Rodgers is going to need another option that is uh, down the field. And if Scantling will stop with the drops, he will be trusted by Aaron Rodgers and could be one of the actual true steals at the end of drafts. He doesn't come without risk. He said he has the dropsies in the past, but if he can move past them, he is dangerous. The dropsies. We need hey, to I mean, he, he can create separation against anybody. He will get away from you. It's just a matter of if he can catch the freaking ball. I want to just call him dropsies. That's his new nickname now. And I want to clip that and keep that clip forever in my pocket. But his name, Amari Rogers was the name I think you were looking for. Yes, I just Amari looked it up Rogers. real quick. Oh, so many Rogers. That's why. That's yeah. Well, Rogers the Rogers. That should be interesting. We see Rogers touchdown and it's like a rushing touchdown by Amari Rogers. Everyone's going to freak out. Um, and he's not even running back. That's going to make it even better. Chicago Bears, John. Talk to me about him. Okay, hold on. I got to back up just real quick. Oh, no. Because Matt mentioned my favorite. I mean, it, it's funny. I was stepping on rakes trying not to mention my real play when I was talking about substituting for Herbert because I didn't want to let the cat out of the bag before we went to one player only. But my guy is Jalen Hurts, and it's the way I attacked QBs in a lot of drafts this year, which was rather than go for one of the top four kind of prize jewels, was to get two very close to each other in the middle. So I have tons of Herbert and Rogers, Herbert and Hurts. Hertz and Rogers, Hertz and Tannehill. So I have Stafford even that grouping. I'm pairing two of those guys. So I can stream and avoid the big defenses. The thing I have with Hertz is check this out. Most games in NFL history, NFL history, 300 pass yards and 60 rush yards in the same game. NFL history. Steve Young leads with four. Russell Wilson has three with Vic as well with three. Donovan McNabb, Rich Gannon, and Dante Culpepper each have two. It took them all at least 100 games to get there, and it increases as you get to the top. Hey, Jalen Hurts hey, also has quick, to. Real, real quick. Yeah. Um, what do these quarterbacks have in common? common? Alex Smith, Mike Glennon, Joe Flacco, Nick Foles, Brandon Allen, Nick Mullins, Andy Dalton. What do they all have in common? I don't know. Higher quarterback rating than uh, Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the rushing floor is higher for Hurts, but but I, I, on an individual game, I, I know I but, I acknowledge but, the rushing floor. I think I said that earlier. I'm just saying I think it's a bit early for a guy who who are quarterback. But but hold on, hold on. Who's a shitty the guys that we mentioned on this list? Young, Wilson, Vic, McNabb, Culpepper. What do they have in common, Matt? And it's being some of the most impactful fantasy quarterbacks we've seen literally in our lifetime, I putting agree. up the single biggest games. Do you think, so you, think hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't you think his price is a little high though for his downside? So um, much for keeping the wheels rolling I, well, on this I felt, show. I, well, I felt like I covered that trying to go closer to back to back, but I'm, I'm going to try and avoid the, the pitfalls. We'll see how it happens. But doesn't but take it, doesn't take in an early quarterback isn't the whole point of that? So you don't have to waste another pick on a quarterback until like the last round. Um, I don't put him in. I don't think he was up there with all. Like, yeah, if I have anybody short of even Herbert, let's call it. I'm, I'm, uh, maybe even Herbert was really falling early on. So outside of the Russian quarterbacks, no, I was just pairing. I had him in, a, he was the second QB in a lot of my pairings. He has moved up a bit. And I have to admit, my share percentages are dropping. And I think that cost difference probably makes up for the, 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 the bit of the misunderstanding we have. But the, the, to the point, it took all of those quarterbacks at least 100 games McNabb 160, Wilson 144. Hertz did it twice in four starts. I mean, it's just really hard to ignore a game where we kind of 
disproportionately value when positions do other things, namely running backs catch balls or quarterbacks run. We disproportionately weight that. That's a game we play. Hertz is a he's a game breaker on his own. You I know, think he quite well, I think he's a game breaker, breaker in fantasy. The only right, problem right. is yeah, yeah, his, yeah. his his shortcomings could get him off the field in reality. I, I think them trading for one of the best backups in all football is a problem. If he does struggle again, worst expected completion percentage in the league. If he struggles, yep. they're going to pull him. I, I yep. agree with his upside. I'm just, uh, I, I don't argue that. It's just yeah. That see where I think real, I'm with real football may up. get in the way of fantasy for this man. Yeah, it's possible. We're also so the Chicago up. Bears. Hold on, we are completely <laughs> we are completely lockstepped. If you took Hertz as your QB one, I think you made a huge mistake. You know what I mean? So like there you could see where we're in agreement, but not. Okay, okay. Um Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears. The thing I'm gonna be looking for is is David Montgomery. Uh, this if I step in a rake this season, it's got the name David Montgomery on it. I view him as a true RB1. He led the entire NFL in snap percentage. Now, to me, again, where we all do baseball work, there are points where samples really mean something. You can't luck your way into that. Outside health, I'm saying. You don't lead the NFL in snap percentage as a running back if that's not part of the package, if that's not part of the plan. So I love Montgomery. I think we may get a bit of a hiccup with the Red Rocket starting. I think once they get fields, not if, once they bring in fields, I think he takes off. And I also like the pairing in a cheap Damian Williams. So when I'm kind of building my calculus for running backs, again, you could see it's not just use and it's not just team. It's other things. So for me, Montgomery was probably my highest owned running back by player share. So that's the thing I'm going to be looking for. And then again, you know, I mentioned the quarterback play. How bad is Dalton and when does he get replaced? All right. Now, are, are we sure? I, I feel like I can't move forward. I feel like someone's going to go into a whole other tangent, but we got to push forward and give me the Minnesota Vikings in like a hundred words or less, Matt. <laughs> uh, I want to, I want to look at what um, Kirk Cousins is, is going to do with his two main options. He obviously had a good year last year. Justin Jefferson had one of the best, you know, campaigns for a rookie wide receiver. Um but Adam Thielen uh, had still a successful year. But he found the end zone quite a few times, and there's some strong regression coming there. But I don't know if Justin Jefferson is still going to hold the same edge in um, actual overall um, you know, share, like target share for there. So I kind of am looking at Adam Thielen, whether he's going to bounce back, because right now I think he's being drafted – uh, fairly, I think he's like down near like the wide receiver, like 27 ish or something like that. Whereas Justin Jefferson was going in the second round. But when you look at the overall probably projected share, it's a lot closer than that. Obviously, you know, there's not a huge difference in like air yards as far as percentage of air yards. Justin Jefferson had 36% for the, for the Vikings, Adam Thielen at 33%. So it's a lot closer than uh, people gave it credit for. So I think Je Jefferson, um, even though Thielen's touchdown regression may be coming, I think Je Jefferson's overall um, domination of, of team statistics could be in for regression. So I just want to see maybe how they're going to be using the, the wide receivers, especially with Irv Smith gone, uh, because you know that they're going to be running the ball a ton with Dalvin Cook. But I just kind of want to see uh, what their game plan is, to be honest, because uh, it's always, a, it's always a, a question mark whether they're going to run less to keep Dalvin Cook healthy and how they're going to use the uh, wide receivers. Two things. One, can Herndon be relevant three years after we all drafted him? 
And <laughs> and two, Justin Jefferson, in all seriousness now, the, um, the comp that comes to mind is Stefan Diggs when he was in Minnesota. Like, <laughs> that could very well be what we get. And remember, Diggs in Minnesota was always a solid option, a little streaky, like hit or miss sometimes, but kind of fit in my head. That's where I hit, my head went with Jefferson. So technically, I guess we'd be overpaying slightly. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, that, that's actually a great thing to bring up because I think that's what we could get, which would make Jefferson an overpay. <laughs> I think that Thielen and Jefferson could be just closer the way Diggs mm -hmm. and Thielen were. That's that's kind of it, which would make Thielen more valuable and Jefferson less valuable. Um, so that's that's kind of what I want to see. As far as Chris Herndon, uh, <laughs> probably not. I think Conklin's the guy. I don't think you really want a part of that, but yeah, I can't. I don't see a problem with taking a flyer Watch. if if you punted tight end. But there's a lot of late tight ends. I was joking about Herndon because remember Herndon was like all the rage a couple years ago, and then never we don't have to be out. totally joking. I mean, there's I don't see a reason why he couldn't end up. Stop! In top of don't this give crap. me false hope. No more false hope. Well, Matt. It's not hope. Uh, it's not hope because I don't yeah. expect anything big. I just don't see. I see. I don't see a reason why he couldn't jump up in front yeah. of this group. Uh, but yeah, nothing, nothing to write home about. Uh, yeah, de definitely. Speaking of nothing to write home about, John, Detroit Lions. <laughs> Perfect transition, man. I couldn't help it. I, I ruined it now, but man. It's just, this, is a, this is really a tough one. The, the Lions are really tough. I mean, I, I was really into DeAndre Swift to begin, and it's – you know, again, they should be really bad. I don't think they're going to be doing a lot of conventional running in the third and fourth quarters this season, which would lend itself to a player like Swift. If you're seeing, you know, drop back cover threes or prevent defenses, depending how bad the damage is at that point. Swift really checked all the boxes for me. And then he had a, a groin that we haven't really seen recover the way I wanted to. So I can't pay the third round price that he's going for. And with that being said, man, after that, to me, it's really, really ugly. I liked Goff, but he was surrounded by a much better offense and he had a better defense to complement him, right? I was talking about that, how I think offenses work off of the defense. These things are not, you know, they have a symbiotic relationship, let's say. You're not going to get that in Detroit. And I don't think Goff is the kind of quarterback that defense needs on the other side. I worry about the skill positions in general. A lot of people are really big on Amon Ross St. Brown. I, I don't know what we're going to get. I have some exposure to Tyrell Williams just because he's his default one, and I'm hoping he'll get balls chucked to him in games. Those really don't add up to much strength. Yeah, you have Hawkinson, and how much attention is he going to get? Hard to anchor an entire offense off of a tight end that is good, but I don't think there's enough there. I'm really worried about this Lions team. I think the bottom is the sub-basement for them. <laughs> All right, moving over to NFC South. Um, Matt, I give you the, I gift you the new Orleans saints. Um, my guy to watch here is going to be like nothing like anyone probably is expecting me to talk about. And I want to talk about Adam Troutman. Uh, he, he escaped a pretty bad leg injury a couple of weeks ago. He's going to be ready for week one. Everyone's talking about, you know, Michael Thomas being gone and now James Winston being in there and Latavius Murray being released. So there's other, there's, there's a lot of players that people want to talk about, like Marquez Calloway and Jones. But again, I want to talk about Troutman who was taken, um, you know, in, in the draft last season and didn't really have like a, you know, much, much of a rookie year to, to, to speak of, but uh, J Jared Cook is gone 
And they are going to need a player to uh, play mismatches with, especially with Michael Thomas gone. And that'll be Adam Troutman Uh, for Jameis Winston. This will give him a really nice safety outlet. And since 2006, Sean Payton has given uh, the Saints tight ends have had an average of eight targets per game. And he doesn't really have another tight end to share that load with Um, the the position average of like five, six catches a game, 60 yards and about 15 PPR points per game during that entire time frame, which was usually two tight end sets. So as a guy who, again, not being drafted at all or will be incredibly inexpensive in um, in DFS, he's the guy I would be looking for what Adam Troutman's role could be in this offense because um, he doesn't, he's not like the fastest guy, but he's got like a lot of lateral mobility and he's a fantastic route runner. And at, at his size, he should provide a ton of mismatches. So I have him as my tight end too, in a ton of places, hoping for a breakout. And I think that there's an opportunity. I mean, it's usually I'm doing that when I have like a surefire, like a Hawkinson Pitts, uh, you know, one of the big guys at the top is my one. But yeah, I think Adam Troutman is someone that uh, is being completely slept on as someone in this new Saints offense who should theoretically benefit more than anybody. All right. And we get to circle back to the Thursday night game. And I feel bad, Matt, but John John drew the second part of this matchup. Buccaneers, tell me about them. What do you think? I actually will get both of your thoughts on this team because there's so much to talk about here. I think the thing everyone's going to be looking for is running back usage. Uh, They have probably the truest committee, both by what we've seen, by talent, and by draft capital, which, again, isn't everything. But after months and months of drafting, you know, the wisdom of the crowd does kind of come into it, talking about Ronald Jones and Fournette. I don't know. We saw Jones just go nuts the first half of the year. And then without him, Fournette was a big back, and he used him a ton in the playoffs. Those guys are difficult. I've drafted them as a pair on the wheel. So I'm going to be looking for that usage. Other than that, man, and Tom Terrific, what do you expect? He's on two feet. They're going to be really good. You know, he's he's excellent. And that defense is excellent. Maybe the best in the league, at least projecting in the top three. So what am I expecting? Tom Brady to do what he's done seemingly my entire my entire adult life. And it's win football games. You know, he's just so good. He does he's get better as it goes. But it's not, you know, it's not luck. And people talk about clutch. He's the most cerebral player we've seen in a long time. They're, you know they're working on adjustments. Like, as he's on plan A, he's already thinking about plan B. I don't know. I just think the Bucks are awesome. The one thing I'm looking at for tonight, if there's anybody we're looking for some action, is I, 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 I'm not piecing together this 51 and a half. Uh, I, I think the Buccaneers are going to play a little bit slower to try and keep Dallas off the field. I'm not at, you know, this being one of the highest – totaled games on the board that's the one thing that i'm going to be looking for is what the books and everybody's expecting i like i said i think tampa is going to look to run to eat up some clock and then let their defense do some of the talking knowing they're going to give up some points to dallas but i'm just not expecting 51 points today isn't brady going for a record this year passing yard record he always is i don't know well i feel like he's just gonna I i feel like he's gonna put uh, pedal to the metal and go for it like starting week one just to make a point because he always feels like he has to prove something at this point he shouldn't but anyway matt as you were i don't have much to add uh yeah, I, I think it's i think is an exciting team there i think they may be the only team i have zero shares of any player really um and it has, has nothing to do with the possibility of them doing well it's just I don't know how much they're going to use Antonio Brown, which could affect both Ridley and Evans. Ridley, I think, is actually going to have a monster season. 
Uh, but it's no guarantee with, you know, Mike Evans could bounce back in a big way. You definitely don't know what's happening with the backfield. They have three freaking tight ends. I, I, yeah, I, I, it's just at their ADP. I always prefer other options. I like the narrative and the question marks more of. So while I think this is going to be a fantastic team who scores a ton of points, I literally have zero shares of any. <laughs> so I'm just, I have nothing I'm watching for other than I'm just watching for a fun game. That's right. it. Cause uh, I, I don't know. I, I think this will be a team from week to week where the fantasy star changes every week, never back to back. All right. Well, a less exciting team, Carolina Panthers, with the former Jets quarterback Sam Darnold at the reins. Um, <laughs> other than CMC and uh, yeah, Sam Darnold. I don't know. I got nothing for this team, man. Sam Darnold is just so deflating to talk about him. But nah, is there yeah, reason the, for optimism? The, the thing to watch for is Sam Darnold. That's it. <laughs> Adam Gase time. It's time to yep. shed, shed Adam Gase and let yep. let the guy fly. I am rooting for him. I think Jets fans. I think there's some Jets fans that are probably rooting for him. Am I wrong, John? I think there's some people that felt bad for this guy that are hoping yeah, to see him That's do well, right. right? I'm not rooting for him because he's playing against the Jets. Like, no, I mean, I mean, this year, I hear what you're saying. No, no, no. You're 100% right. That's exactly what it was. I liked him, and I, he got a bad rap. That was a total dumpster fire. Now, listen, the Jets tried to rectify, and sometimes you, the baby goes out with the bathwater during a clean sweep. I want, I, I want Donald to succeed. And I believe he's going to. He also fit my bill this year of uh, misconceptions. The Carolina offense, again, found at the very top of draft boards. And Donald nowhere to be found. So to me, there was a bit of a disconnect there. He looked very sharp in the preseason. Uh, one other thing I'll be looking for is one of my big sleeper picks for the season. It's Terrence Marshall Jr. And I think in particular, he's a... You're hijacking my team. Yeah, I think he's a... Uh, <laughs> it's okay. I, <laughs> I, I think he's a league winner. You know, I think he's a league winner um, in G, uh, this week from fantasy leagues. And I think he's a GPP winner on a weekend. Well, then, Matt, how about you hop over to the Atlanta Falcons and talk about how amazing Calvin Ridley is now that we're done talking about the ghosts of Gase's past? I'm not talking about Calvin Ridley. I'm talking about the wide receiver one on the Falcons, not Ridley, <gasps> the wide receiver one. His name is Kyle. His name is Kyle Pitts. Yes. Yes. Everyone's going to be looking at Calvin Ridley and on the defense. Well, you have this guy who cannot be guarded in the middle of the wait, team. wait, the same Calvin Ridley that went off without having Julio's help last year was actually yep. better in games. Where Julio was out. You're going to sit there and say he's guardable now. I'm no, I'm going to say that there's a guy on the field that literally can't be guarded. And Calvin his name Ridley. is Kyle. No, his, his name is Kyle. <laughs> You, you cannot guard the man. I love Calvin Ridley, by the way. Yeah, this is I'm, not a, I'm, I'm totally joking. Yeah, I get but, it. But uh, I, I, I will not stand for slander on Kyle Pitts. <laughs> I think there's no reason he can't be a beast out of the gate. This isn't a tight end, wait for round, uh, wait for year three kind of guy. He is a wide receiver who will line up enough at tight end to keep his tight end designation. I think that uh, if anything, I don't know. I, I, I the, the Falcons were like fifth most passing uh, yards last year. I expect that to continue. Uh, they're not going to be using Mike Davis a whole lot because they're going to be down in games. Uh, so, yeah, we know what Calvin Ridley can do. But the thing to watch for is absolutely Kyle Pitts. Let's see if the Kyle Pitts show is on week one and if it's going to go forward because he has the potential to be like the coolest player in football because he's going to like – I mean, you remember like what um, – 
what uh, Gronkowski, you know, used to do people at his best and Jimmy Graham, when he kind of like changed the game with the way he did things. Uh, Kyle Pitts is about to turn that on its head and start making people look like little children. He's like DK across the middle of the field. It's going to be pretty cool. So yeah, Kyle Pitts. I'm, I am excited to watch Kyle Pitts go to work. Nice. I think he is very, very electric in terms of, well, at least potentially. Hey, but, no one get on me about Calvin Ridley. I like him a lot. I think he's like the third or fourth best wide receiver in the entire league this year for fantasy. But Kyle Pitts, though, he's the man. But Kyle Pitts, though, he's I the most. I think Kyle Pitts uh, out earns George Kittle this year. I'm not joking. That's he's not the most prediction. boomer. He's the most boomer bust uh, tight end pick given his cost of, to acquire, and given the I don't know, man. Rookie tight ends just scare me though. Hey, he's not but, though. He's a wide receiver. He is. Yeah. Whatever you want to call him. <laughs> Whatever you want to call him, man. But this team also wants to run more, which I I don't think that's going to work out for them, good but luck, we'll see. Them, yeah, man. exactly. <laughs> Speaking of a team that traditionally likes to run more, but is supposed to be passing more, Seattle Seahawks. John, what should I be looking for on the Seattle Seahawks? Oh, man, I think it's Carson's health. I don't I don't know. If, if I were involved with the Seahawks in any way, I would have looked to fortify that run game. They've had problems keeping those guys on the field. It feels like it's been Carson and Penny for a while. I just worry about the durability there, and I feel like you you, you really want a solid run game. You know, without Carson, the wheels really fell off there. They went tried to go different directions with Dallas and Hyde, and even Homer at a certain point. Collins they tried out. It just it was kind of a disaster. So I think that's what we're we'll looking for is. Chris Carson, health in the backfield. How are they using him? And if is it going to be three down work? And then aside from that, I think they're really good to go. I, I love, you know, I love Russell Muscle. I think he's been uh, kind of forgotten, right? He's been left out of that QB1 discussion. He really has been just going by the draft board. He's always the last to go. And I think he should be mentioned with players like Dak. I think that's a quality a player is. So I think the Seahawks are good to go. I'm just, like I said, I'm going to be watching a run game because I feel like it's been a weakness for quite a while. I have, I have Russell as uh, my, my QB one on most of my teams. He's my number one uh, rostered quarterback. Uh, I'm not, I'll, this is 30 seconds or less. I, I, uh, Shane Waldron, the new offensive coordinator. Um, he, he comes from the, uh, you know, the Rams and everything that they do. I think that there's a chance that they actually finally, you know, let Russell cook, as they say with, uh, with, with, uh, with Lockett DK and Dwayne Eskridge, uh, Gerald Everett. I think that they could actually lean into passing more than they ever have. So I think that could be an exciting thing to watch too. Interesting. All right. And uh, Matt, keep it rolling with the what? Los Angeles Rams. I think I said the right name, right? The right team, the right city. I don't know anymore. Uh, I don't know what there is to watch other than what we expect. I, you know, Matthew Stafford is good every time he's healthy on a field, which he, you know, he typically has been. He's been painted as injury prone. He actually isn't. Look up his game log. He, he started like the, he started like every game. Uh, or you know in like i think nine out of the last 10 seasons but um as far as who's his target is going to be I, I i think woods and cup will still be solid i think woods will be the one i think the guy to watch is tyler higby who i think is completely disrespected in fantasy you look what, what he did with gerald everett on the team now he's kind of like the third option for Matthew Stafford who's gonna be throwing a whole ton now that their uh, their backfield is a little bit of a question mark so i think tyler higby is a guy that'll be a, uh, a a someone who vastly outperforms his um, his ADP, and I think he's the guy to watch for here as an early season bargain in uh, DFS. All right, John, finish strong with your final team in the Arizona Cardinals. 
it's, for me, this is pretty easy. It's it's Hopkins. Um, he's one of my favorite players in the game. To me, he's wide receiver two, if not one A, with Devontae Adams. Uh, everyone saw Kyler Murray was pretty much the best fantasy player in the game before the injury. So the ceiling is top player in the game. He had the vaccine questions and then no practicing. So regard, I'm not, not talking about that other than there are question marks. We haven't seen him play. He's running routes in practice. Not that I think a guy like him really needs to practice, but I'd feel a little better about it if I did see them actually connect with a physical football, right? I mean, I think that's fair. So it's me, it's Hopkins. I, I'm. This is one of the things I'm kind of grabbing the C.O. Jones, and I'm going forward with Hopkins as a wide receiver one. You know, if he's falling to the second round in best balls today, I'm grabbing him. Uh, I, I We haven't talked about any props, but again, I'm very kind of multifaceted with how I like to get paid in sports. His prop is at like 81 and a half yards. That just is not something you see next to DeAndre Hopkins. He generally comes out, at, he gets posted at 88, and then the market takes it up to 98. So to see him in the low 80s, it's definitive that at least the mo- right. No one knows what's going to happen, but we know the market's really low on somebody that they shouldn't be if we had those few questions answered. So I'm watching out for Hopkins, and I, I mean I think it's all systems go. I fully expect him to get the 12 or 13 targets we all expect him to get. So that's really it for me. I mean, and if he doesn't get it, I'm going to be missing clumps of hair on Monday morning because I invested quite a bit in what I hoped was people overreacting. So that's it for me. It's knock or bust. <laughs> and Matt, finish the show out strong with your San Francisco 49ers take. Uh, this is the anti, um, this is the anti Pittsburgh Steelers. If you will, everyone is so heavily invested in Debo Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk, George Kittle. Yet their quarterback is guaranteed to suck. Um, Trey Lance, I don't know if he's going to be playing anytime soon. The president of the team, when they drafted him, said he preferred to sit him through a whole year, regardless of how it went. I don't think that'll necessarily be the case, but Jimmy Garoppolo can play well enough to hold off Trey Lance for quite a while. Everyone's expecting this great value out again, Debo, Ayuk, Kettle, when the quarterback sucks and it's a run heavy team. So what I want to see is uh, just how run heavy they're going to be with, with Mostert and Sermon. Chances are it's going to be incredibly run heavy like usual. We want to see how they split Mostert and Sermon. I'm guessing it'll be 60-40 in Mostert's favor because they want to keep Mostert healthy. But, yeah, the thing I'm looking for is how Jimmy Garoppolo performs um, as the, I guess, game manager who is somehow needs to needs to support two wide receivers, two, two wide receiver twos and a tight end one. I don't see how he does it um, in a run-heavy team. Someone's going to be left out in the cold here someone here that is uh was heavily invested in is going to be a huge bust and i just want to see who it is because there's no way garoppolo is going to support all these guys that uh are, are being heavily you know touted as uh you know wide receiver twos all right well guys it was a lot of fun today thank you for letting me guest host which was odd but fun at the same time i love talking to you guys don't forget to follow everybody on twitter matt is at matt williams m-a-t-t-w-i-7-7 i-a-m-s John is at MLB moving averages. Yes, he's NFL moving averages as well, but the handle's hard to change. I get that. I'm at Mike underscore Curland. Real original, I know. Um, again, week one starts today. Draft prep 
all that stuff we get to see how it finally turns out so much to look out for i hope you guys enjoyed this episode and of course we will talk to you all very soon this is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finna be shits, ripping off rip, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad will, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up for size, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz.